Before we start this week's show, just a quick reminder on our Buy Me A Coffee memberships. As you may already know, the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers, besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also treat our staff to one to five cups of coffee a month. In return, you get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today, I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Gabriela Graf Ines, Emerging Market Muser, Jordan Iftach, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. If you are like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly commitment, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America, and we appreciate all your support. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. The electoral campaign is up and running since last week, and candidates have been quite active in meeting members of the press, business owners, and of course, voters. But for a big chunk of the Brazilian electorate, the election will really start on Friday, August the 26th, when candidates are allowed to run ads on television and radio stations. In 2018, Jair Bolsonaro won the presidency despite having just a few seconds of airtime. That year's TV and radio king was Geraldo Alckmin, a former São Paulo governor on his second presidential bid, who despite all the structure behind him, managed less than 5% of the vote. The election four years ago led many to believe that TV and radio ads had become a thing of the past. But have they? This week we will talk about TV and radio ads then and now. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, this is Explaining Brazil. Cede Silva is a Brazilian correspondent for the Brazilian Report. Cede, glad to have you back. Hello, Gustavo. Nice talking to you. So, Cede, political ads on TV and radio are about to start running. And for decades, they were the single best way to get to voters, right? Yeah. So, radio arrived in Brazil in 1923 and a few years later became a massive tool for political ads. In 1930, the two presidential candidates, Julio Prestes and Getúlio Vargas, relied heavily on jingles and radio ads to convince voters. Prestes won the 1930 election, but Vargas took office after a coup d'etat, and he would remain in power for 15 years. 
Following the Vargas era, we had a lackluster campaign in 1945, but jingles returned to the forefront in 1950, when President Vargas was trying to return to the presidency, this time through democratic means. And he used a new jingle, telling people to put the portrait of the old man back into the same place. A reference, of course, to how presidential portraits are hung on the walls in public places. In the 1960s, Jânio Quadros won the presidential election and his campaign is remembered for a song about how he would sweep corruption from Brazil with a little broom. More recently, jingles have changed a bit. Since the 90s, Brazil has had an electronic voting system, and people vote for their candidates by typing in allocated numbers in a keyboard. For instance, President Jair Bolsonaro's number is 22, and Lula's is 13. Candidates for the Senate are represented by three-digit numbers, four digits for candidates for the lower house, and five digits for state legislatures. So, especially in these other races, jingles pound into voters' heads the numbers of the candidates. As a way of getting voters to memorize their numbers. Exactly. Millions of voters in Brazil don't choose their candidates until the 11th hour in 2018, 12% said they picked their presidential candidate on election day. Wow. So having your number in people's heads is a great way, maybe the best way to win voters almost by osmosis, right? And for that to be successful, having a catchy tune is a great strategy. Political marketing experts agree that jingles don't win elections for candidates, but really help uninterested voters to remember someone's number. While these jingles convey values, they also have this mnemonic function. In talking about this year's election, what do the two main candidates bring to the table in terms of their jingles? Well, uh, the, the largest candidates, the big candidates, they actually run with more than one song and more than one jingle. One of Lula's songs is about not being afraid of being happy, of having hope. And it repeats the chorus of the jingle Lula used in 1989, which is arguably the most successful jingle in modern Brazilian politics. This was a catchy tune that even people who were too young to have followed the 1989 election, as is our case, uh, Gustavo, or were not born back then, will know by heart, even if they dislike Lula. And what about President Jair Bolsonaro? So Bolsonaro's main song this year is a sertanejo tune. Sertanejo is Brazil's country music, a style rooted in Brazil's agricultural areas, and most high-profile sertanejo singers openly support the president. The tune is called Captain of the People. É o capitão do povo, que vai vencer de novo, 
pode confiar, defende a família. It talks about Bolsonaro's military past and his faith, and it lays on the attempt to paint Bolsonaro as the nation's savior. One verse literally says that. Subtle. <laughs> but today, neither Bolsonaro nor Lula emphasize their voting numbers. Can you explain why is that the case? Well, if there's one race that gets the most visibility, it's the presidential one, right? So for them, a jingle is less of a mnemonic device and more of a tool to convey their core values. Also, some of these jingles, they will be screened on TV where you can see the candidate's number together with the song. That could be a problem for Bolsonaro, however, because a large fraction of his voters do not know his new ballot box number. Many still associate him with the number 17, which was his number in the previous election, but the president has changed parties since then. I see in a very public way, we have covered this in our podcast, so voters can look back uh, in our feed to to remember that story. But today, political ads on TV and radio are highly regulated in Brazil. Can you tell us what the rules are here? Because they're quite different from those of most countries, especially countries uh, where the majority of our listeners come from. Yeah, so unlike in the U.S., where campaigns must buy their own ad time on television or radio, or in France, where all candidates are given an equal amount of time for their political broadcasts, in Brazil, candidates have the right to free airtime, but it is distributed between all parties in proportion with the number of seats that the parties hold in Congress. Uh, and in fact, in Brazil, candidates are actually prohibited from buying TV airtime on their own. But I mean, free airtime, that's a figure of speech, right? Because it's free for the parties, but it's not free for the taxpayer. Yeah, there's no free lunch. We call it free airtime and politicians call it uh, free airtime. But that's because the candidates and the parties do not actually pay for running their ads. Instead, The government pays for it through tax cuts to the media companies with values based on how much they charge for ad time from private announcers. And how will that work? So from Monday through Saturday, starting, as you said, this Friday, August 26th, 25 minutes per day on TV and radio will be divided between the parties in order to get your message out there. These 25 minutes are divided in two segments of 12 minutes, 30 seconds each. Plus, for a total of 70 minutes per day, candidates appear in 30 to 60 second commercials, which air between 5 a.m. and midnight. And what is the difference between these time slots of 25 and 70 minutes? So the candidates have time to showcase their history, their values, and their proposals with more time during the two daily 12 and a half minute segments for longer ads. There's one segment at lunchtime and another in the evening. But they are also given the opportunity to run small ad spots throughout the entire day. In these ones, they usually focus on a single issue and try to deliver a palatable message to voters. So you say the airtime is divided between the parties based on their congressional representation. This year, who is getting the lion's share of uh, the, the airtime slots? 
So Lula formed the biggest coalition. So Lula will have over seven minutes daily to deliver his message. He will also have the highest number of those short spot ads. Then comes President Bolsonaro with two minutes less. Combined, the two frontrunners account for over half of the time allocated to presidential candidates. This is an yet another field in which the so-called third way trying to break the polarization has little space. They can't catch a break, can they? <laughs> But today, Brazilians will elect their president for the next four years, as well as 27 governors, 27 senators, 513 congresspeople, and over 1,000 state lawmakers. Now, how to make room for everybody to appear? I mean, is it possible for all of them to appear? Well, as you probably guessed, and our listeners guess, there is no room. So the short answer is no. There are over 20,000 candidates for all kinds of positions. So for everyone to have their time, telenovelas, football, newscasts would all lose their time. What happens is, Candidates for governor and president get their ads broadcast on alternate days, while congressional candidates get crammed into a short amount of time. What most parties do is to set aside the biggest chunk of time for what we call vote magnets, candidates for Congress with massive name recognition and who can capture voters' attention. That's because Brazil's congressional elections run an open list system. People vote for a candidate, but their vote counts to the overall poll of that candidate's party. In theory, if a party gets 10% of votes for members of Congress in a state, it would get 10% of the seats that a state is entitled to, and party members with the most votes would get those seats. So even if one guy eats up most of his fellow party members' time, in the end, he's kind of helping them too. But every four years, we see congressional candidates with a ridiculous amount of time, like two to three seconds, trying to attract attention to themselves with outrageous showings, just weird enough so that voters will remember them at the voting booth. And these joke candidates are sort of a recurring phenomenon in Brazil. And many get themselves elected. I mean, people who choose to appear on TV in bizarre costumes, madly shouting a catchphrase or acting out some pathetic scene. I remember it got to the point of being featured by John Oliver on Last Week Tonight a few years ago. Over the years, there have been ads for a guy dressed as a grasshopper, a dancing chicken, a small elderly version of Robin, a surprisingly healthy-looking Osama Bin Laden, Captain America, a husky Spider-Man, and my favorite, Geraldo Wolverine. Eu sou Geraldo Wolverine, o 11232. I remember that. Uh, Joe candidates try to win votes by a glitch of the system, so to speak. Voting in Brazil is mandatory, but people are usually disinterested in the whole process and don't find themselves represented by the candidates. So they try to get this sort of protest vote. A classic example of this was the late Enéas Carneiro, a cardiologist who ran for president in 1989, 1994, and 98, and then he ran for mayor of Sao Paulo and Congress. Enéas used his few seconds of airtime to bring energetic pros, often ranting ultra-nationalist and conservative proposals. 
His sign-off would always involve him looking at the camera and frantically shouting, My name is Aeneas! Meu nome é Aeneas! 56, 56! Aeneas did make some strides. He reached third place in the 1904 presidential race, ending up with over 7% of the vote. And later, he got 1.5 million votes for a congressional seat for the state of Sao Paulo, helping his party elect five other representatives. It was a record back then, right? It was a record back then. It was a, a record-setting vote uh, back then. And he was actually elected. He served in Congress. And he even uh, served during the Mensalão hearings at the Congressional Select Committee, the CPI dos Correios, during the Mensalão scandal. So he, he, he spoke there as a member during the investigations. And while some people considered Enéas Carneiro an intelligent nationalist to this day, uh, many voted for him as a joke. In more recent presidential elections, Brazilian voters were amused by Levi Fidelix, a less successful version of Enéas Carneiro. Until his death last year, Fidelix controlled a dwarf political group, the Brazilian Labor Renewal Party, PRTB in Portuguese. This candidate was known for his characteristic mustache, but also for his only proposal, connecting the main cities in southeastern Brazil through bullet train lines, or the aero train, as, as he called it. And in 2018, many thought that Jair Bolsonaro himself could be in that group. Of course, the joke was on these people, as Bolsonaro cruised to the presidency. But truth be told, Bolsonaro was by no means the weirdest candidate on the presidential ballot four years ago, was he? <laughs> uh, in 20, 2018, the title arguably went to Cabo Daciolo, a Rio de Janeiro firefighter and preacher. His political resume begins with a strike he led in Rio de Janeiro after occupying a barracks building. He was briefly detained. Cabo Daciolo's antics made him a hero for some, and his status as a union leader in the firefighters granted him a congressional seat for the far-left Socialism and Liberty Party, the PSOL. His relationship with the party was rocky from the get-go due to his conservative tendencies, which his far-left party apparently didn't know about. The arma do cristão é a palavra de Deus. Essa aqui é a Bíblia. Bíblia é a arma do cristão. O que ela fala? Eventually, Cabo Daciolo is split from the party after he proposed to amend the constitution, replacing the phrase, all power comes from the people, with all power comes from God. During one lower house sitting, Cabo Daciolo tried to cure a tetraplegic congresswoman, saying that thanks to his fate, she would immediately start walking again. Eu quero aqui diante de todos profetizar a cura da deputada Mara. Eu creio que aquela mulher vai levantar da cadeira e vai começar a andar. Eu creio que isso vai acontecer. And did that work? No, it didn't. Cabo Daciolo's participation in the first presidential debate of 2018, as well as his presence on social media, entertained many people, thanks to his defense of absurd conspiracy theories that would make a Dan Brown book seem realistic. He feared the Freemasons, he suggested that the Illuminati were out to kill him and said leftist political parties had a plan to create 
the Union of the Latin American Socialist Republics, a local version of the USSR uniting the entire region within one single socialist country. O plano URSA, União da República Socialista Latino-Americana. Tem algo a dizer para a nação brasileira? União de toda a América do Sul, conexão de toda a América do Sul, fazendo apenas, tirando todas as fronteiras, fazendo uma única nação. Pátria grande. Poucos ouviram falar disso e vai ser pouco divulgado isso. And CD, how did Cabo Daciolo fare in the 2018 presidential election? Of course, he wasn't very competitive, but he ended up in sixth place, having over 1.3 million votes. He fared better than Enrique Meirelles, a former finance minister and central bank chairman, and then Marina Silva, a former environment minister. Both of them are widely respected internationally. In 2018, in fact, I saw Flavio Bolsonaro, the president's eldest son, saying that Cabo Daciolo could take a few votes away from Jair Bolsonaro. Daciolo was in part responsible for Bolsonaro not winning in the first round. <laughs> right, Sede, but tell me, until 2018, there was a consensus in political science that the person with the biggest coalition and longest airtime would automatically qualify as a favorite to win the presidency or a governorship. I mean, you named the race. And of course, upsets can happen, but the votes usually follow the airtime. And then in 2018 came Jair Bolsonaro, and he, like we said, won the race despite having almost no time at all. He did so through an incredibly successful social media strategy. And then it seemed that the consensus shift a little bit. And now a lot of folks are dismissing TV and radio ads, saying that this is a thing of the past and that social media is the arena for public discourse and not television, not anymore. Uh, right. But we've talked with a few experts who don't agree with that. And what do they say? Well, first, they say it would be inaccurate to say that Jair Bolsonaro did not have airtime. He didn't have time to air political electoral ads, but he was on television all the time. Let's remember that almost four years ago to the day, Bolsonaro was stabbed on the campaign trail. So news outlets gave him a massive exposure after that while he was in hospital. And then in the runoff stage, candidates share airtime equally. So whatever time disadvantage Bolsonaro had in the first round was scrapped in the second. He had the same 10 minutes as his opponent, Workers' Party candidate, Fernando Haddad. Right. The most recent Reuters Digital News report released in 2020 showed that Brazilians have become less reliant on television for consuming information of the past decade, but TV remains used by two-thirds of the country. One political analyst told me that Brazil is not Netflix country or HBO Max country, Streaming is a luxury for most people, and the base of the demographic pyramid still watches network television. Television and radio ads are still important because they hit the voter while they have their guard down. Also, we are in the era of cross-media broadcasting, so the political ads for television can also be useful for Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Telegram and WhatsApp. These two encrypted messaging apps are the go-to weapon for political candidates these days, especially Bolsonaro and the far right. And which kind of tone do ads for TV and radio usually have? 
Some of the most effective TV ads are negative. I talked to Paulo Vasconcelos, who ran the campaign of Aécio Neves, a center-right candidate who was the runner-up in the 2014 presidential race. That was mostly a three-head race. The incumbent, Dilma Rousseff, on the center-left, Aécio Neves on the center-right, and Marina Silva, a former environment minister. Neves and Dilma despised each other, but had Marina as a common target. Polls show that Marina would be a far more difficult opponent in the runoff stage, so Dilma preferred to face Neves. Meanwhile, Aécio Neves needed to knock Marina out in order to have a shot at winning the presidency in a runoff against Dilma. So Aécio Neves used a lot of his ads to highlight Marina's past as a member of the Workers' Party, Dilma's party. It was a way of saying the change would only come with him. Dilma's campaign, meanwhile, aired a controversial ad which showed food disappearing from the family's dinner table, arguing that Marina's proposed autonomy for the central bank would make Brazilians poorer. Marina tem dito que se eleita vai fazer a autonomia do Banco Central. Parece algo distante da vida da gente, né? And did that strategy work? Yes, Marina was climbing the polls, but then her polling numbers Park in the low 20s. She finished the first round in third place with 21%, 12 points behind Nevis and 20 behind Dilma. So considering how Jair Bolsonaro and Lula hate each other and how this campaign is already being shaped by vitriol, we can only expect ads that will run this year to be even nastier than the ones you're describing from 2014, right? Yes, especially considering that both of them will this year be focused on a very small fraction of voters. Um, there's, a mo there's a very small fraction of voters that still intend to vote for Ciro Gomes, Simone Tebic, or either of the smaller candidates. And Lula only needs a few of these voters to secure a win in the first round, while Bolsonaro only needs to get a few of these voters in order to force a runoff. We're going to witness a lot of jabs below the waistline and we'll stay tuned starting this Friday, August 26th. Cede, thank you very much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Gustavo. Cede Silva is a correspondent for the Brazilian Report in our nation's capital, Brasilia. And if you are keen on the Brazilian election, then you should know that we have recently launched a special 2022 election report with everything you need to know about the races for Congress, governorships, and of course, the presidency. And listeners of our podcast get a 20% special discount. You just have to go to brazilian.report slash subscribe, scroll down a little bit to the report section and then use the explaining 2022 promo code so one more time go to brazilian.report slash subscribe scroll down to the report section and then use the explaining 2022 promo code we'll put all the steps in the show's notes and if you like explaining brazil please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts It takes only a second and it's really helpful for us to reach a broader audience. 
Or better yet, you can sign up for the Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your subscriptions fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. If you are already a subscriber, then you can give us some extra support by filling up our coffee mugs with donations on Buy Me A Coffee. This membership program offers special perks like behind-the-scenes content and exclusive newsletters. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and you can hear your name on our podcast. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening and Explaining Brazil will be back next week. Música